Good morning. I'm Pete Roberts, and uh, I am going to uh, try to take you to the cross today. That's where we're going to be, and and uh, it is uh, it is sacred ground, and I am humbled, really, uh, to to preach this to you. Um, I see Pastor Red over there smiling, and, and, uh, and he knows, just like many of you do, that I was, I'm just another guy in the church, and I used to live right down the street and came to this church, and I didn't even know the Lord. And, uh, and uh, the Lord can do a miracle. <laughs> Here I am. And, uh, um, and so um, we're going to talk today about something that happened at the cross and uh, I'd like you to stand with me if you would and and go to Matthew 27 and uh, I'm going to attempt to read to you with one contact in and uh, this is a challenge because uh, I can see you but uh, and I'm going to start at uh, Matthew 27 uh, and I'm going to start at at, I think it says verse 32 Um, Okay, but I can read the words. The numbers are small. Um, and it says, As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. Uh, they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes by casting lots and sitting down they kept watch over him uh, watch over them above his head they placed the, the written charge against him this is Jesus the king of the Jews two robbers were crucified with him one on his right and one on his left those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days save yourself Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. And in the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, uh, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And in the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. You may be seated. Um, You know, what we have here in this passage is is not a whole lot about uh, the crucifixion. If you'll notice, if you'll look there, there isn't a bunch of detail about what happens at the crucifixion. And, uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, that these people, at this time, they knew. You know, when, when Matthew wrote this and when the Gospels are written, they didn't have to go into detail about what happened in crucifixion. They were well aware. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were crucified. And it started the third century before Christ uh, by the Persians, and they crucified people. And uh, the Romans perfected it, 
and uh, they would put them on display all around the city in the highest place so people could see what would happen if you broke the law. And so this, there wasn't a reason to go into the fact that, uh, that Jesus had nails five to seven inches long put through his wrists and one nail through both feet and that he would have to push up with his legs to inhale because really uh, death by crucifixion uh, was suffocation. If you couldn't push up on the post uh, to get a breath, then, then you died. And oh, by the way, as you're pushing up, uh, because you were scourged before, they had torn your back up so badly that moving up and down on the cross was slightly painful. Um, and remember that the two thieves that were crucified with them, they didn't get extra special treatment. Uh, they got the same punishment as Jesus. They were in the same physical pain. Um, and so, to set the stage there, um, in our culture, we need, to, we need to get a little bit of a grip on what really happened there and uh, how gruesome it was. And it was a, you know, they get the word excruciating from the crucifixion. It's pain beyond belief. And, um, but what Matthew and, and uh, Luke in particular go into detail on, and this is what I'm going to deal with, is the attitude of the people. But in, particularly, in particular, one group of, uh, of, of the many groups that were there, there were, there were four groups there at the cross. They were surrounding Jesus. But you had the, the, the chief priests, right, and the teachers and the... And, and, uh, the Jewish leaders, that was one group. And they were really inciting the crowd. They were orchestrating this whole thing uh, from, from, with Pilate and the whole thing. Pilate could not find anything to convict him of. And so they finally convicted him of being a king. And they put that on the top of the cross. This is the king of the Jews. And it was a joke. See, and what we don't get is in our culture and those of us who are believers... We come to the cross and we realize it is sacred ground. But this crime that was committed was, was done with mocking and sarcasm and it was a, it was a joke. This Jesus, <laughs> he's a king. He's a king and he has no army. They just laughed. And he's a king and... He has no territory. He's a king and, and he's never conquered anybody. And, and he's a king and he's never saved anybody. And they laughed at him. And uh, as you'll see as we go through this, um, that not only were the Jewish leaders orchestrating this, but there was another group, uh, the Roman soldiers, and they were in on the joke and they thought it was foolishness that this man is being tried as a king and for insurrection of what? And they put a robe on him and a crown of thorns and they put a scepter made of reeds in his hands and they beat him with it. 
but they went along with the joke. And the people joined in. The third group. Hmm. And I'm sure that this was the same group of people that were welcoming Jesus into town the week before on Palm Sunday. Isn't it? I mean, how fickle are the people? And then there was the last group, the group I'm going to deal with, which is the, the two thieves. It was a small group. And uh, these were... You notice that, uh, you know, uh, I've titled this, this, this sermon, um, The Prodigal Thief. Well, um, you know, in, the, in Luke 15, The Prodigal Son, which is, you know, it's been said that it's the greatest short story ever told. Uh, uh, Jesus, in telling that story, really develops the character of the younger brother. Go back and look at it, how much he has to say about the younger brother because he's establishing in his audience is the Jewish leaders he's establishing that that this younger son was a wicked young man he it comes through loud and clear but he has to develop that character there's no need to develop the character of these two thieves on the cross they are wicked and the people who are reading this they know that they we don't have to go into a bunch of detail about what they did. And we find out later that one of the thieves confesses that. Hmm. But what strikes me as I look at this, this, these four groups surrounding the Lord and is uh, how well these groups got along. I mean, they were friends, weren't they? I mean, the the chief priests got along with the Roman soldiers just fine, right? No, they weren't, they weren't very tight. And, and uh, hmm, the thieves, they weren't very tight with the guys that just nailed them on the cross. No, that was the, those two groups didn't get along. And the people, I don't know about the people. Um, I'm not so sure that they were all that excited about their leaders. And I'm sure they didn't like the Roman soldiers. And they were not good with the thieves. But interesting how the, all these groups come together over mocking and crucifying the Lord. Isn't that interesting? How enemies come together. I would beware of ecumenicalism. You know, when we're getting together over things, you, you test your faith. But what it does talk about here in this passage, it talks about the attitude of the people. And uh, you can see that. And, and if you'll flip over to Mark, and just go to Mark 15, and I'm not going to read the whole passage there, but in Mark 15... You'll see, and and I think it's verse seventeen. Uh, I can't tell. It's the, it's uh, verse, maybe it's verse thirty-two. But it says, and those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. 
this small group. And now, go with me to, to Luke, the historian. And Luke gives, us, Luke gives us a little more detail about what's going on. And he breaks it down a little bit. And uh, if you'd go with me to Luke 23, verse 32. And this is where our story will begin with the, uh, with the two thieves. And I'll read it for you. It says, And two other men, both criminals, were also let out to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. You notice that's as much detail as we get on the crucifixion. And there they crucified him. And end of story. Along with the criminals, they got the same punishment. One on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now, if, if, if you'd like some more detail on what happens at the cross, you need to go back 1,000 years. I know that sounds kind of strange. If I'm a new believer and somebody tells me that, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're confusing me again. Now, does Moses come before Abraham, um, right? I mean, that's, I mean, I'm just saying that's what happened to me when, when I first came to this church. I didn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. But I'm telling you, you need to go back 1,000 years to Psalm 22 to find out what happened at the cross. And maybe tonight in your small group or whatever, you'll look at Psalm 22. The people stood watching the next group, the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and mocked him and offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Verse 39. And one of the criminals who were hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now hold hold it. The other two gospels said both of the criminals. Right? Now, we'll have skeptics who'll say, oh, there we go. The the Bible is contradicting itself. See, I told you. Is it possible? Isn't it true that both happened? And that's what makes this story so amazing, that both happened. That just a moment before, both had been hurling insults on the Lord. But then one became silent. What happened? And the one criminal keeps going on. But one became silent. And I propose to you that what happened is that 
Jesus, while he is in agony on the cross, now he is suffering physical agony, he doesn't do a lot of speaking on the cross. And in addition to the physical agony, you know, you would think that if there really was a God, and with the mockers and the people railing against the Lord, that the Father would rain down judgment now. He, I am amazed that judgment doesn't come down. But surprise, it does come down. The judgment comes down on His Son whom He loves, but not on the blasphemers. And the Lord is suffering that judgment as well. But in the midst of this, and they accuse the Lord of having no army. And they mock him. And uh, as we look at this, we can see, if you, if, if you look closely, you can see the power of the Lord. Because by not saving himself, he saved others. Isn't that an irony? And within the enemy camp, I mean, he is surrounded. He's hung on a cross. He's stripped of everything. And he chooses to save one right out in, in, the, in the middle of the enemy camp. To, he displays his power. Is that incredible? And the light, the light goes on for this guy. And a moment before, he was blaspheming the Lord. And now, if we go down to verse 40, he says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? So from the other side of Jesus comes this rebuke. And and the word in the Greek, from what I understand, is this is a harsh word. He gets right in this guy's face, if he could. And he rebukes him. And you notice, notice this, because we're going we're gonna to go through this and, and, and you're going to think, you know, is it really possible to be, to be saved at the, to lead a wicked terrible life and then at the end come to the Lord is this real is this a real confession is this true I just want I want to challenge you is this true repentance let's test and see I believe it is and he says he says in verse 40 do you not fear God notice that when you come to your senses like the prodigal son. And you recall the prodigal son. He was fighting for food with the pigs. And it says, and he came to his senses. Now, how come within all these people that were there, we have the four groups. And, this, and, and the priests and the Pharisees are inciting the crowd. And nobody has clarity. Nobody has clarity but one man in a moment gets crystal clear clarity 
of what's happening. Now, you would think, this, it's possible he, his mind was a little foggy. He was, you know, we know our bodies have, have the, uh, the benefit of going into shock when something happens. But this guy's mind was crystal clear and he saw the light. And the first thing that happens when you see the light is that you have a fear of God. All of a sudden, God is a threat to you. And you know, it's funny, I read through my Bible and I come across these passages about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of... Have you read some of those passages? Psalm 1-7. Or check that, Proverbs 1-7. Proverbs 9-10, I believe. Now, it's a good thing you bring your Bible when I'm preaching. I tell the kids that I want to do that because I may make something up. So check it out. You should be bringing your Bible. Okay, but, but it talks about the fear of the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, hold it, I'm a child of God. Well, why would I have a fear of the Lord? Hmm. But as I, as I study this passage, I realize... I do have a fear. I have a, I have a significant fear of the Lord. I love the Lord. And some of you may think back to your, your parents and your father, right? You may love your father, but you have a fear that he could bring judgment. Hmm. So both could go together, isn't it true? And... The Bible says, you can check me out on this. I'm, I don't think I'm making this one up. It says, don't fear men who could kill you, who could destroy the body, right? But fear the one who could send you to hell. Is that in there? Just nod. I'm looking at an elder. Just nod. See, I think you're right. I think you're, I think you're good on that one. Um, it... it it's dangerous when I get off my notes. Um, but he gets clarity. And this is, this is amazing. Uh, think about what the other thief is thinking. I mean, one minute, they're both, they're both mocking and, and they're on the Lord. And the next minute... He's being rebuked. He's, the one thief is thinking, what happened to him? I'm, he says, have you no fear of God? And, and how does he follow this? He says, since you are under the same sentence. And then he goes on to say, we are punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. Hmm. You ever notice that... Uh, when somebody comes to the Lord and uh, they all of a sudden they go back and they just don't fit in with their, their old groove because they've changed. And he says, but we're punished justly. Now here's the second thing. If you want to list some things that happen when a true conversion happens, one is that you have an immediate fear of the Lord and you have a fear of punishment. And this thief is thinking, 
to himself, I'm sure, if this is what men do, if I'm hanging on this cross, suffering like I am, if this is what men do for breaking the law, what must the Lord do when I come to judgment? Oh my gosh. It will be worse. And then the second thing that happens here is that he has a proper assessment of himself. He says, I'm getting exactly what I deserve. He didn't say, well, you know, I had a terrible childhood. I I had really bad influences in my life, you know. uh, and, And... I needed counseling. I couldn't get it. No. He, he owns up. I'm getting exactly what I deserve. So it, a proper assessment of where he's at. And you know, in a sense, number two, maybe, of his own sinfulness, you know, it's funny, when, when the light shines on you and you're in the presence of the Lord, you realize that you are, you are bankrupt. Am I right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a hopeless feeling in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, um, and if we're going to make a comparison, if I'm just going to spend one, one moment on the other thief, I, I, I want you to recognize that the Lord, the Lord never says one word to that guy. And let's think about him for a second and compare him to this thief who has been changed. And the unrepentant thief has no fear of God. See if you fall into this camp. If you do, Maybe today is the day. But if, you know, uh, you know, it's said that there's two types of people, sinners and forgiven sinners, right? J. Vernon McGee says there are saints and ain'ts, okay? But this, this man has, has no fear of God. He has no fear of judgment. He has no remorse over his sins. And his only concern is for his present situation. He's just looking for somebody to drive the getaway car. He says, you know, if you are the Christ, save yourself, oh, and us. I'm, I'm in a little pain here. I could use some assistance. Hmm. The other thief, you know, it's interesting. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. One of the things that came to him immediately was, hey, I'm not getting off this cross. How many people uh, survive crucifixion? None. Hmm. He moved on. This guy moved on. He's concerned about eternal judgment. And, uh, and the next thing, We read down here. It says, uh, For we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man 
has done nothing wrong. Now here's the third thing that happens. He compares himself to Jesus. Hmm. You know what we do? In our works program, we compare ourselves to other people. Well, you know, you know, here's a here's a here's a typical comment of somebody who is not saved. Oh, uh, you know, I, I haven't been so bad. I'm sure the Lord will let me in. I haven't killed anybody. Right? I think they're missing the point. You know, in the in the story of the prodigal, and I said Jesus develops the character of the younger younger son and and he's wicked. And you know, um, here everybody there knew that these two thieves on the cross were the wickedest men on the hill. They already knew that. And it's interesting that the Lord chooses to display His power where they accused Him of not having an army or or anything. He chooses to display His power that within the enemy camp to save one who is the wickedest. He starts his army there inside the enemy camp, surrounded by the enemy. Is that power? Amen? It's amazing display of power, and he saves him and snatches him away from Satan. Right there. And so, this man compares himself to Jesus. And, uh, and that's what we should do have a proper assessment of where we stand, okay? Uh, far from perfection. And then, in verse 42, he says, Jesus, Yeshua, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is, uh, this is truly amazing that, that the knowledge, the light would go on, the light would shine. And instantly, he recognized Jesus as the Savior. Nobody else did. And he could have yelled for somebody else or maybe he could have said to Jesus, you know, if you know somebody, if you can connect me with the person who saves, I would appreciate it. But no, no. He says, Yeshua, Jesus and if you go back to Matthew one twenty one, you don't need to go there, but I'm pretty sure I checked this one. Okay, It said, uh, And she will give birth to a son, and you will call his name, you will, you, will call, you will give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua. He says, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Now, I'm not sure what he knew, this thief knew about Jesus. Uh, I know this, Jesus was the most popular, the most well-known character that, were, that was happening in Jerusalem at the time. Everybody knew, okay? And they probably knew that he had the power to raise the dead because he had done it with Lazarus. They, he knew that. 
But did he know that this is a, a saving God, a God that saves, a God that is merciful? And I propose that he did know because when he was laying on the ground, getting his wrists nailed to the cross, he heard Jesus pray that prayer. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And he is thinking to himself, if, if those men who are committing the worst crime ever committed against a man who did nothing, if, if they could be forgiven, maybe, maybe I could be forgiven. Maybe I could get into the kingdom. And he says, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Do you think this guy had, I, think, I propose to you that he had an excellent idea of who the Lord was. Think about this. Nobody survived crucifixion. So Jesus must die like him. But he will, he will raise from the dead. Pretty good Christology. He will come and have a kingdom. He is the king of the universe. He acknowledged that in that statement. There's so much here. He will have a kingdom. And he is the one who could save. Remember me. My gosh, this, the knowledge that came with the light. Believable, the fear of the Lord. Hmm. Now, you think that might be the end of the story, but it's not. No, no. No, the most, I think the most amazing part is still right here in front of us. This is, uh, this is shocking what happens next. And if the Jewish leaders overheard, which I'm sure they did, but interesting, it's in the gospel, so it's told over and over again. So the Lord didn't need a loudspeaker. He has us. Hmm. Does he have us? Are we, are we really his speaker? I challenge that, you know, in this church, uh, you know, we might be doing a great job with discipleship and we might be doing a great job with our Bible studies and with the, you know, and teaching the word. Maybe I, I give, I give ourselves, ourselves pretty good mark on that, but, but on being the loudspeaker of the gospel, I'm, I'm, I don't give our, give us as good a grade. I challenge you for that. But here's, here's what's amazing that happens next, and just hold on. He says, and there's, by the way, there's so much doctrine in this, these small, this small passage. There's a ton of doctrine. And, this, and, and if you don't see grace here, if you don't see the grace of God, then, well, you are blinded, okay? Because it's, it's so big here. And... And Jesus answered him in verse 43. I tell you the truth. Why did he have to say, I tell you the truth? Well, he had to say, I tell you the truth, because this is what he's going to say next is so hard to believe. So he, he wanted to get his attention. Now, think about this. This thief has just confessed. And he is bankrupt. And he's come before the Lord. And he's even 
stood up for the Lord and rebuked the other thief. And now he's asking if, is it possible, Lord, that I might, might be in your kingdom? Hmm. And he doesn't know. He doesn't know. And so the Lord is merciful to this man while he's got other things on his mind at this point. Agreed? But is, doesn't this speak to the one-on-one relationship we should have with the Lord? How personal he is in our lives? I think it does. I love these, these, these encounters with the Lord one-on-one. And the Lord says, truly, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today? Well, ho, ho. This man's a Jew. He can't be there today. I mean, this is a works righteousness program. You must earn your way in. He hasn't gone to synagogue. He's probably robbed them. I don't think he put any money in. This may be the only feast day he attended in Jerusalem because he was arrested. Some of us feel like that. We've been incarcerated and brought to church. I felt that way. Hello, I felt that way. Until the light went on and then I couldn't wait to get here. I hope the light goes on. And today, hold it. Do you recall how it worked in the Jewish system? You know, the prodigal son, when he came to his senses, he said, he said, you know, I'll go back to my father's house and I'll just confess to him and I'll tell him I know I'm no longer worthy to be a son. I will be the low I won't be a slave. I'll be the lowest. I'll be a hired man working a daily wage. And if it takes me forever to work my way back, then that's what I'll do. And maybe I can save up enough to repay all the money I blew. Works. Interesting. When Jesus says, today you will be with me, when he says that, that's like the father rushing down the road before the son can get to the town, before he's mocked, he rushes down and he kisses his filthy stinking, bankrupt son all over the head. Hmm. Then he puts a robe on him and a ring on his finger. Jesus told that story to the Pharisees because they didn't get it. This was immediate sonship. He didn't have, and so if you go look back at Luke 15 and you read that, you'll notice this that he confesses to his father, but he leaves out the last part. Make me a hired, make me one of your, he never says that. You know why? Because the kissing and the robe, he knew he was a son. He already knew he was, he didn't have to confess that. He, it was immediate. This blew the Pharisees away and Jesus says to him, truly, because you're not going to believe this. Today, you will be with me. Is that grace? My gosh. Hold it. If, if, he, if Jesus was Catholic, and I hope my mom doesn't listen to this message. I, don't, I, I know she's not here, but she, you know, my sister could tell her. I hope, you know. But if Jesus was, I'm going to go easy, because 
And I can say this, I, I was Catholic, but if Jesus was Catholic, he would say to the thief, he says, you know, I, I like your attitude. I like it, but you're going to have to spend some time in purgatory. I don't know how long. It could be a long time because you did some brutal things. But then maybe, maybe we will let you in and, and we'll find a place for you way on the outside of town, on the corner of heaven, a little spot for you. No, no, no. Today you will be with me. Hold it, with Jesus? He has the right to be with Jesus. Does this change? Does this change your concept of heaven? It changes mine a little bit. Hold it. I'll be, I won't just get to know Jesus. I'll be with Jesus. Does that change things for you? Is that not good news? That you will be with Jesus. My gosh. I'm, because I'm, I'm a man who compares himself with other people. So I don't think Matthew Holbrook's here, but I'm just figuring, you know, Matthew's going to get a better place than I get. Okay, I mean, I just compare myself. I think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a smaller place on the side someplace. But you know, I read this and it says, it says I'm not going to get a smaller place. I'm going to get a place with Jesus. Is, is that good news? Amen. And, and you know what? And there is a verse that says, and no one can snatch him out of the Father's hand or out of his hand. Am I right about that? So we can't screw it up and lose it once the light goes on. Is that good news? And there's no purgatory. I can just today, I will be with Jesus. I'm telling you, that is so truly that's amazing news, isn't it? And huh. and if, if today is the day that the light went on, I don't know. But think about this. Who spoke the gospel to this thief? Nobody. If, if this isn't a calling of the Lord, okay, and, and, you know, I, I, I kind of revolted against this a little bit. I didn't quite get it. That, that the Lord, this is, here's, some, here's some doctrine that the Lord chooses. And I, when that first, somebody told me that, I said, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, we have a part in this. No. I, the only thing that we can compare this to, the light, the the. the the miracle that happened to this thief, the only thing that's comparable is Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul, he had papers. He was on his way to capture and kill Christians. And the Lord called him. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the Revelations verse, which has nothing to do with, with uh, salvation. It wasn't, if I, if I come to your door and knock, and you open... I will come in and sup with you. Remember that verse? I, that's the way I thought salvation worked. Well, he's going to knock, and if I open the door, but if I don't, no. Paul was slammed to the ground, blinded. I think that got his attention. He now, now that's a violent um, saving, would you say? But isn't all saving that way? Isn't that the way we came? 
I always thought Paul's was really, I mean, the thief has a great testimony too. Too bad he didn't get to, you know, tell anybody. But isn't that the way we all come to the Lord? The Lord calls us. We All of a sudden, we realize the light went on. My gosh, this Bible is all true. It's some, for some of it, it's not so violent as Paul. But maybe we're not on the, you know, with papers to go kill Christians. But was he chosen or not? And so are we. So do this. Here's an exercise. Write in your Bible. Like I did. Just start underlining every place you come to that says we are called, we are chosen, we are predestined before the beginning of time. You'll, you'll, have, you'll run out of ink. It's happened so many times. This is, this is the Lord calling. Hmm. Well, I hope today is the day if uh, if the light hadn't come on, I hope that maybe this this would this would open your eyes and you'd go, "Oh my gosh, I do not want to be standing in front of the Lord explaining what a good guy I am." I, I'm, that would not be a good interview. You know, in my business, we say we should have interview under favorable circumstances. Uh, that would not be it. Um, so let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for, uh, for Jesus. Uh, by not saving himself, he saved others. And he started his church within the enemy camp. Uh, what power... Uh, that he had and uh, I thank you for the thief who who showed us what uh, what true repentance is and I thank you for a, a beautiful picture Lord of grace pure grace that you would let him in and Lord if you could let the thief in if you could let him in maybe maybe there is a place there for me I just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.